Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. I'm Chris Heine. And we have a special guest today. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself? Lana Crooks. <laughs> so Lana's joining us all the way from Chicago, correct? Yes, all six hours away. That's a very long trek. I feel like that six hours is was was a... Actually, I do that every time I go and visit my parents in Milwaukee. So I know 94 is a good... Good, yeah, but uh, we walked the whole way, so it oh, was a lot so longer. Much that's more tired. Good. That's pretty good time. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty yeah, yeah. Good. That's I good. mean, speed walk. Yeah, yeah. So we're here because this past Friday we had the opening reception of Guts, and how did that go, Jenny? It was incredible. We had a couple hundred people come to the opening reception. Uh, Lana has been here all week. She helped install uh, her pieces for the exhibition she has tons and tons of originals that she made specifically for the show Mm -hmm. a giant like 12 foot vinyl that covers the entire wall and lots of interesting pieces so we had a good time with all the artwork and all the artists um so it was a really fun time and that is actually up through may 15th so if you didn't get a chance to stop by for the actual opening or if you want to see the work online it's also currently on our shop so yep and you can also i at some point i'm going to stare at Chris for a while, see the photos from the opening. Yep. (laughs) I mean, they might be up by the time this podcast goes out. Oh, good. How convenient. Well, take a look there. We'll make sure that that is all over our Facebook page and also on the blog too. So you guys Mm -hmm. can see it in, in real life, online, in real life. Yeah. In yeah. cyber life. In cyber life. In your yes. other real life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to talk with Lana about her process, um, kind of what the community is like in Chicago, and then the long lead up to where we are today with everything that you've done, which is pretty varied and pretty pretty different, right? Well, I would assume so. Yes. Okay. So we shall do that. So how about we do this? If you would like, maybe you could walk us through your past and then somewhere up to your present. The sordid past or the good parts? Whichever ones you want in a public record somewhere. So. Oh, well, they're all public records. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I can search you on my, my criminal uh-huh. list on the... Yeah. That's okay. I well, think the name like crooks, you kind of <laughs> get flagged a lot. So, oh yeah, working. My life. <laughs> um, well, I went to... Savannah College of Art and Design for illustration, um, which obviously isn't something I do now. So that went well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I was working freelance, doing freelance as an illustrator. Um, and it's not, was not the most fulfilling, I guess is the phrase. Um, I started making costumes on the side for parties and then I started making them for movies um doing prop work um and then eventually I melded everything into what I do today so it's this like cesspool of art (laughs) 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 is the best way to describe my life so like a little bit of drawing is in there still in the process but then most of it is tactile right yeah it's all um it's all fabric. I mean, I do some woodwork, um, but very little. But I've been fascinated with creating things that shouldn't be made out of fabric into fabric. And that's basically what started it all. Because I started kind of in the fantasy illustration area and then got really into the designer toy world. Um, and then in turn, I got basically stuck in the middle somewhere where I then carved my own niche that doesn't fit anywhere but everywhere and that's kind of my life now that's (laughs) awesome I feel like when people hear of your work I think the first thing that comes to mind is like wow that's really a like a technically accurate but also really unique way of putting together this like scientific experience for people like I know not everything that you do is like um, super biological, you yeah. know, but there's a big chunk of it that when you look at like its source, you know, like the skull that you have um, kind of recreated, it's very 
close to like what a real one would look like well, i hope so yeah because i look at it and i'm like some scientist is looking at this laughing at me like that bone doesn't go there what a daft lady <laughs> that's how those scientists talk yeah that's oh. how they do so snooty yeah, yeah all up in arms always always about bone placements most likely and i feel mm-hmm. like when you look at that though like i i was taking a look and i think a lot of people have seen the promo image on the guts um poster where i mean if you're really looking at that you're like man that that seems like it would be really hard to do especially you know a lot of us in the illustration realm do a lot of things just in 2d so at what point because i know you you were talking about making costumes and you're talking about kind of like transitioning into a tactile kind Mm -hmm. of experience for yourself at what point did you did you know that you had a 3d brain well like I think my brain has always been inside out and backwards, which is how you have to make everything out of fabric. (laughs) So I just see shapes and then see how I would have to make a pattern for it. But I've, it's kind of been that way. I've had spatial relationship things with my illustration where I get really obsessed with like the negative space. And then, so maybe it's always been there. And maybe that's why I had such a hard time being a <laughs> freelance illustrator. Because I was just like, no, there's so many tangents. Everything is wrong. Like, <laughs> But um, I probably always had that. I'm sure it's always been that way. I just have kind of developed it in my own way. So there's no, I guess, no right way to make a bird skull out of fabric. But... <laughs> I'm just making two. <laughs> See, and so I was like, we're looking at your um, your exhibition work right now, and there are a ton of different types of things. Uh, and it's actually behind me, so it's hard for me to look. <laughs> I know you guys can take a peek. But um, what's nice is it sort of also crosses a border between like cabinet of curiosities and like scientific collection. And so there's a very like um, like a it's not inherently like supposed to be educational necessarily, mm-hmm. but there's also this like exploration of the form for people that are looking at it. You know, you're like, I didn't realize that looked like that in there, yeah. which is <laughs> what the guts show is all about. You know, mm-hmm. is like looking at the insides of things. So can you talk a little bit about the work that you've made for the guts show? Sure. Um, the pieces that you have up there and kind of like, was it a, a kind of a continuation of a process that you already do with your other work? Or did you try anything new in this one that you were like, you know, this time I'm going to tweak this and do this. And, you know, what what was that like for you making these pieces? Um, well, I'm kind of a super nerd and I've always been. And I collect skulls and old uh, medical um, models and stuff like that. And I get really excited for really gross things like uh, there's this tooth model that I f- saw in a antique shop in Portland, and every every time I think about making teeth, I think, why didn't I buy that disgusting, gross model of a tooth? But you know, like, so I get really jazzed to have kind of cabinet of curiosity. So my whole studio, I have human skulls in there. I have like real ones. And oh, really? Yes. Who's are they? <laughs> um. I'm told it's a guy named Larry. Really? <laughs> so it may possibly be haunted, probable oh, that it's haunted. Oh, that's a whole nother twist to this. Bought year. him at a, at a uh, yard sale. A yard sale? <laughs> yeah. What? Somebody's like, I Larry need to get was rid evicted. Of evidence. <laughs> Larry was evicted. I mean, it's an antique, so. I mean, he was an antique medical model. Ah, good. But, okay. you know, unless, you know, you feel better. it's just been staged to look that way. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but I also am really into live animals. Yeah. And I don't enjoy the killing of live animals. Yeah. So I have made vegetarian-friendly specimens because I think that's kind of important. And also... Some of the bird skulls, which I found out, you know, you're not, it's kind of illegal to pick up dead birds unless they're in a specific grouping because migratory birds are protected and each state has different laws against the specimens you can have. Huh. So I figured I would make all kinds of bird skulls and then people don't have to pick up dead birds or like (laughs) illegally trap or hunt them or you know so that's kind of my little 
Yeah. Go animals. It's funny. Yesterday we were looking at some of your work and placing it along the wall. And um, it's interesting, even though I know it's made of felt and different um, fabric materials, when you picked it up and the skull sort of was Mm -hmm. malleable and moved around as you were working with it, it is kind of alarming because for some reason I just assumed (laughs) that it had the same texture Uh that a bone would have it has it looks so convincing that when you move it around it sort of like switches your illusion back to seeing it as like a soft sculpture yeah um and so I was curious about some of the materials that you're using in this show specifically you have vinyl you have felt you have Mm -hmm. silk and woodcut and all sorts of really interesting stuff in the past couple years since you've been doing this have you learned a lot about the materials that you want to work with or that you do work with. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you learn really quickly what works and what doesn't. Um, so where did it where did it start and and how did it transition to the current materials? Um it started in fleece because before this I make I have made for I've had several solo shows of faux taxidermy but they're all like monsters or you know dapper and jackalopes stuff like that <laughs> but they're all made out of fleece and wool and and things of that nature so I, I made a giant um fleece deer head and like knitted around his antlers and he's called the knitting buck and you know I made a it was called a trophy it was um trophies of animals that never were and stuff like that so um I was making everything out of fleece because it's got a stretch to it and cotton fleece is, you know, really easy to work with. You can hide stitches and stuff, but wool is not forgiving at all. There's no stretch. It tears. It punctures. Like, it's, but it's perfect for the delicate um, pieces that I make because it'll stand on its own if it's cut the right way. So that's just what happened (laughs) i think it makes it i mean it makes perfect sense when you see your sculptures and you see like how that looks if i were to try and imagine these in fleece it would be completely yeah they're blobby yeah yeah like completely different (laughs) and so i think having like that kind of rigidity is really cool because i see also you treat the edges with like they're burned yeah yeah and so i mean it definitely has also like jenny was saying that convincing look of like is it a real skull and then you get closer and you're like wait a second yeah i like that yeah yeah a lot of people have seen like promotional materials or things that we've posted and commented and just assumed that they were real yeah um and i was like no that's nope not real (laughs) (laughs) nope lies But I, I was like, no, that's why it's on the postcard is because it's something that somebody made and it's not just like a skull. So That's some crazy thing. Yeah. I had that at a show. I made a piece for Roto Fuji's um, 10th anniversary show and I made my first owl skull there with all this filigree. And the curator even came up and said, so did you just flock the skull? And in my, I'm like, well, you, there's many ways you can flock wool. Like, so I was thinking, yes, I brush it out to like smooth the edges and he was like, oh. And then I didn't realize he thought I just took an owl skull and put flocking on it and stuck it in a frame. And then later he was like, but so how do you get the flocking to stick to the skull? And I was like, there's no skull in there. It's all fabric. And he's like, that's amazing. I was like so bummed out before. He's so, like, my mind is blown. Yeah, I feel like... I, I think that's the other thing too about those is that, you know, I'm sure there's a point where after, okay, actually I'm going to back up for a second. As you're doing your process and you're making the patterns yes. for these skulls, there's probably a lot of research that you go through to actually make sure that it's going to fit together, like your oh, pattern God, yeah. making skills come in and, and all that stuff. But there's probably also some artistic liberty for deciding and mm-hmm. eliminating parts that you're like, this is not a, an exact replica right. of a skull. I'm going to do this, this, and this my way. Yep. Um, so, like for for your process, where do you where do you look for inspiration to make sure that you're going down a path where it kind of has those naturalistic shapes, and you know, you're getting like the the um, ratios correct, you know, or, or like, or is that even something you even worry about oh no i worry about it all yeah and then i i super freak out if it's wrong like you can ask my husband he just like it's fine nobody's gonna notice someone's gonna notice this tiny bone isn't in the nostril like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know but that's just a part of being crazy um so i have done some work with the natural um 
the Nature Museum in Chicago. So the Chicago Academy of Sciences, I built them a forest out of fabric for their nature struggle exhibit. Um, so I made a com- 10 foot trees, like 13, 10 foot trees complete with like a reading nook. And I made all these plush stumps for the kids to sit on to read books and stuff. So, um, through that, I was a- installing that I was able to hook up with the collections people. So, um, I go to the labs um, when they let me in, or when I say, hey, I need to draw a fox skull. Can you pull one? And they're like, sure, see you at noon. So I'll give them a list of um, specimens I want to see, which usually involves me going through books and going to the field museum to look up specimens, write down their names, their proper names, because um, I usually have pieces in mind when I'm asking the labs for specimens because you know I try to when I try to do a show I try to make a giant a theme around it and you provided that with the guts theme already so part one done (laughs) (laughs) but um so I'll give them a list and they'll pull what they have and then sometimes I'll go through the drawers with them and like rummage through animal remains like oh that foot looks great I'll take that and then I sit up in their labs and I just draw from the patterns and I photograph everything so there's lots of photos on my Instagram of crates of animals and like me and my blue gloves, like holding skulls, nerding out. Are like, most of them pretty, pretty uh, clean? Oh, yeah, they have to be to, you know, so they don't have parasites or anything. Yeah, I imagine. And are a lot of them, are they mostly like I'm sure they're dry, but I but like are they are they the dry elements of a body or are they the hair filled elements of a body or the it's internal a, organs freeze dried into a shape like like what is a popsicle? <laughs> like, it's just a bird leg with like gut popsicle on it, and they just hand it to me, and then you're like like happy birthday. Like, mm, yeah, like, don't eat. Oh. Oh, 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 this was something you needed. <laughs> Dino DNA was in here. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> wah, wah. No. It was like most of it. Do you look at bones mostly or are you looking at like... Um, I take many specimens. Okay. So like I'll take the skins or the taxidermy to look... Because I want to know what they look like living too. Because yeah. sometimes that affects things. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, they're made a certain way for a certain reason. So I want to see all that, but mostly bones. But some of the older pieces will have like tufts of fur somewhere or like some of the fat between the joints hasn't totally gone away. So some of the bones will still be together. Yeah. Um, Which that's kind of nice to see, but it's really hard to pattern it that way because I need to see all the way around and inside and stuff. So, um, oh, they're pretty... It's pretty awesome there. I mean, I, the longest I've sat there to draw was like eight hours. That sounds but awesome. I sat there for eight hours and then I come home smelling like mothballs. You know, <laughs> sexy, sexy mothball. <laughs> so you have like creature dust all over. You're like, yeah, like- my life is very glamorous. <laughs> when I do put outdoor pants on, my life is very glamorous. We were just talking about outdoor pants. I was saying yeah. it's hard to dress up like a human being sometimes. Jeez. Well, I don't have a job any like a quote real job. A anymore. job for somebody else. Yeah. I don't have to l- interact with other people, so I forget sometimes how to people. So this is going well so far. This <laughs> podcast. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> Sometimes I'll forget how to talk to other humans. Oh man! Um, because I'm used to singing to the cat. I or, think that's normal when you have a cat. I think everybody does that. Well, but when you work at, in a studio and the cat's like your assistant, <laughs> <laughs> and you make up songs and tales, you know, you just turn into a crazy person after a while. But then well, you put on outdoor pants, and everything's yeah. okay. And again. then you transform back into, into <laughs> uh, a normal yeah. citizen. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, since you do have days where you spend the whole day at the History Museum, or you do have days where you're here installing a show, what is your normal studio life or studio practice like? I wake up, (laughs) and then I go upstairs. (laughs) Um, Well, it involves coffee. Lots and lots lots of coffee. coffee. Sometimes I 
do put on pants to go get coffee, but it's very brief. Um, well, I kind of force my, I have to force myself to work full days and I get distracted, can get distracted easily with the internets. So I try not to shop for tops on eBay. Yeah, that's hard. (laughs) Wink, wink. Do that all day, every day. (laughs) Got an extra five minutes, got to buy something off eBay. But I do, when I have a piece in mind, I'm like, oh, I should look on eBay for this random thing that looks like a casket. You know, like, because that's normal. I'm sure my mailman (laughs) loves me. But um, I try to get all of my web-based stuff out of the way first so that I can get away from the computer. And then it it really depends on what's on the docket because I have a lot of projects. Like I do a lot of jobs for random people. Can you talk about that too? Like what, just for people to kind of understand, since you you do have requests coming in, like Mm -hmm. very specific requests, and then you also have self-initiated projects, what percentage of your life is kind of like, I do what I want. And then (laughs) then the other... Side is like it depends oh. who you ask. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you ask my husband, he'll say I, I say I do what I want all the time, but that's not actually true. Um well this year is different because I I usually book a lot of projects with other artists. So I do a lot of collaborations and I do like I make uh plush for Cafe Grumpy in New York. So I do all of their plush uh toys by hand so I ship that out so that's like a client that I work with um but then I'll have other artists like uh Gary Hamm who's a vinyl toy artist and Scott Tolson and Tara McPherson and stuff like that I've worked with who have like a project in mind or a character and want to make you know a designer toy plush so then I will work on prototypes and doing um, fabric swatches and all that stuff with them. So I'm interacting with them online and things like that. But then I'll have gallery shows where it's solely my brain meat at work. So those are my favorite um, things because then I can kind of start exploring more. But I try to split it up. But this year... Oh, sorry. I was going to ask if there's a big separation between, like, how you categorize that type of work, too. Um, Mentally, or... (laughs) (laughs) Both. I mean, I know you have your, like, gallery projects and things like that, and then I know you have toys and Mm -hmm. plush things on the other side. Like, how do you separate these two sides of yourself? Like, two businesses, two brands, two... it's kind of... Well, it's kind of... I kind of have three brands, actually, because I... I'm a partner of Ono oh Doom. This is an art collective in Chicago. Um, and there's five of us and we're all crazy. And we owned and operated a gallery for like four years. So that was that is one brand. And that is the collective brand. Um, then I have my plush small run edition and prototype business, which I have a separate logo for. Uh, and I have my specimen gallery fine art stuff which has another logo so three logos three businesses three parts no sleep do you have to (laughs) pretend to be different people in my head yes (laughs) (laughs) do i have to no does it happen maybe so i'm asking that from a place of like like curiosity but also it's funny because I understand having like these three different things. You know, I'm a teacher, mm-hmm. I am a gallery founder, and I am a product designer. And I have to, I'm not a different person, but I have to interact differently with each like group of people. Yeah. And I play a, a different role in each one. And it's funny because we talked about this in a podcast, maybe two or three or four months ago, we were saying, how do you define yourself when you do a bunch of different stuff? It becomes kind of hard to be like, hi, I'm Lindsay Knoll, the, yeah. uh, then you fill in the blank with something. Well, I have a general, I guess, overall pros- persona, which yeah. is just like crazy, wacky person. And then when, but then I can get serious real quick and then get super organized and anal retentive. So... <laughs> Um, it's it's just switching tracks. So I have like many tracks that I can go down. And, and even then, creatively, do you find that you kind of bucket 
pieces of like your process into those three different brands like oh no doom yeah you are a collaborator <laughs> well um one of well we're one of the owners so it's like yeah. a partnership it's really hard to explain how we do stuff now that we we don't have the gallery so we're moving everything online which we just um launched our website and our new shop um and we're focusing more on us being artists instead of promoting other artists yeah which i've been so used to doing like meeting people and being like you'd be perfect for this show which you know all about yeah and then i now harass you by sending you people that you should invite (laughs) to shows (laughs) like i have a hard time shutting that part off so when i go to conventions i'm always like hunting I feel like I'm hunting humans, like, <laughs> for some later nefarious purpose. But, um, but yeah, it's it's really odd because I was the, you know, financial pers- person and also the most uh, bossy, I guess, of the group. It's, it's actually kind of the opposite. So it was all guys and me instead of you girls. All the ladies. And... So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Chris. Poor yeah. sad Chris. You're but doing fine. It's a wonderful life. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> but now uh, this year, my friend Melissa has joined on. So I have another um, just as motivated lady to help wrangle the boys. It's, my, it's just like having a bunch of brothers, really. But then you own a business together. And then you yell at them. <laughs> but then you hang shows and have beers and you love each other. But then you yell at them. So, uh, sounds romantic. You know, yeah. yeah. So this year is a little different because we closed the gallery. We're doing everything online. And for me personally, I'm not doing any collaborations because I'm getting ready to have jaw surgery. So this year I've said no to a bunch of things. And somehow I'm still as busy but uh, it's all focusing on my own art until after the jaw surgery stuff is over. And then I'm out into the wild again. <laughs> <laughs> it's Released. amazing, though, because I think, like, you know, for a lot of people taking a leap and doing just their art that comes from their soul instead mm-hmm. of, like, a ton of... And maybe this maybe this is different than what you're saying, but like instead of a ton of commissions or instead of a ton of client work, it's it's like I have these projects I want to do. I'm finding venues for these things to exist in, you know. Um, I think that is a very like I don't know, kind of a what's the word that I'm looking for? It's not risky. It's just risky noble. business yeah. <laughs> yeah it's noble it's like i don't know it's just it's just a different kind of like like all the i don't know how to say it any other way all the pressures on you to do the things yes. that are best for yourself well that's the problem too yeah. isn't it <laughs> so does that feel kind of like strange to know that that's the priority you've set for this year does it feel good are you just like you know what it's about time that i do most of these like self-initiated projects or well is it, it felt really good when i had nothing booked and then stuff just started happening and I was like oh I can't say no to that like this yeah uh oh show so um and then it's like okay that's the only thing I'm gonna book and then I got a two-person show in Stranger Factory um in Albuquerque in July and I was like well I have to do that because that's awesome like but then that's just an excuse to make the art I can't make pieces for no reason for some reason like in my head I have to book everything to the minute like okay today I'll do this 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 and this has to be done by this day um so it's a lot of self-imposed deadlines but if I don't have the actual end game or the deadline already set for me by someone else I will not complete any of the things and I will play video games and that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I completely relate to that. I think we've even talked about it a couple of times. I, I only do things too if I'm promising it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know why that is. And maybe it's just like a certain kind of person enjoys like committing to something. Yeah. And then you're like, cool, I'm motivated to finish up this thing I said I would do. It's you like know? somebody else depends on me to do it. Yeah. And so I'm going to make it awesome and I'm going to get it there. Yeah. 
But if it's just for me, I'm like, meh, I can wait. Like, <laughs> oh, that that client sucks. I'm not going to work on that stuff Aww. for her. Well, I think it's a very common thing, especially in, like, in the illustration or even in the fine art world of things. I think it's common for people to want to put their stuff somewhere, and that's why so many people are eager to participate and you probably uh-huh. had a lot of people that were asking to do things and yeah. wanting to be in your shows when you're curating shows and participating that way so there is like a big community and everyone just wants to like give to another project I want to ask yeah. about that community also so um have you always lived in Chicago no um I grew up in South Florida oh then went to SCAD and then moved to Chicago randomly even though I had never visited um, You're like, that sounds like a good one. Right. Well, <laughs> Jarrett, my husband, who is my friend at that time, lived here. And I was like, I know somebody there. And another friend of mine, um, Max, needed a, a roommate. So I was like, sure, I'll move there. I've never been there. Um, so that worked out. <laughs> and did you like it once you were there? Chicago is a pretty well, cool place. I've been there almost 11 years now. So yeah. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that the creative community in Chicago is like, like, can you describe it a little bit? I know everybody's got their little pockets of like who they know and people that do similar things. Do you find it to be a very like, um, I don't know, a motivated community, people trying to like boost each other's things or like, or is it more like little pocket here, cutthroat with this little pocket over here? Or is it, or is it just so, I mean, Chicago's a big city, Yeah, you know? I think it's a little bit of both, actually. Really? It depends on the group, because there's so many different kinds of artists, but Chicago has a lot of them, and there are some artists that are just not as motivated as others, but, you know, will go to openings and then complain, (laughs) but they're not in them, but not as motivated to take steps to do stuff. But, you know, there's a great number of them that actually are working, you know, to the bone kind of thing. Do you find those people kind of congregate in specific things or they're more involved or? It's usually, we'll see them, you'll see the same kind of people at all the openings. And Chicago's designer toy world is not as large. Um, So we have Roto Fuji, but that's really our only gallery to hang out at um i feel i mean it used to be oh no doom but ah, that place closed (laughs) (laughs) um so you know there's pockets and then we do drink and draws and now with oh no doom we're trying to do more community stuff like we want to pair up with bars to do events and hope maybe do online gallery shows but i mean chicago artists are awesome so they should be doing more things yeah so maybe they're all just in their their pockets you know well it depends some people work really hard and like have shows all the time yeah and some people you barely ever see unless you go drink and draw like so you never know it just depends on the human i think that makes sense it doesn't i can't really box it up like that but there are there is a constant yeah group of people that you'll see that, so. And sometimes when we ask people the same question and people are like, yeah, it's funny. There's like a core of people that will show up again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. It's probably yeah. just like the nature of some people to be social and out at the events yeah. and doing all the stuff for people that have time for projects or not time for projects or right. whatever. Um, I feel like when you move to a new city and you're trying to find a creative community, that's probably one of the hardest things to just send up a flare. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, where are you? Like somebody please, Uh you know, but like some of the drink and draws or things like that are an easy invitation into a world where you're going to probably meet people that have similar interests. Yeah. So there's enough of those, right. For somebody that might be in Chicago looking to connect with somebody. Yeah. There's the, um, I think, well, Melissa and Max probably just took over the, Chicago Drink and Draw Social Club. So I know there's one probably in every major city that's like a chapter. Um, but they're just, they just had their first one on Tuesday with um, a mystery science theater group also. So really, they were showing, um, um, I think, Werewolf and then drawing. That's awesome. So, you know, you just find anything. You just look up drink and draw. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of bars that host it. There's Atomic Sketch where people can go. There's a panel of artists that they have 
um, they ask to be there, but then you can draw, come and draw and pin your stuff up and sell it if you want. Like, so you can do a doodle and then say, buy me a beer and pin it up. And someone will be like, I want that. What beer do you want? Like, so (laughs) it's, it's kind of awesome. So we're trying to tap more into that. Um, yeah, kind of thing. Cause we really like being a collective and we really, but we really like interacting with other artists. Yeah. Um, so right now it just looks like our site's all selfish cause we're just like, so-and-so has a show, um, go to it, you know, but <laughs> not like, you know, we want to do more of the call for art, like posting stuff from things, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. We're just starting that stuff well we'll make sure to link to that so that people you know if they're in the neighborhood or if they're visiting or even if they just want to watch from afar they can kind of see (laughs) everything that's happening too well we post all all the things that we are community-based that we are involved in we post on onodoom.com so that's um, awesome it's a blog style um, like a feed of different kinds of things yeah so there's a a couple other questions i wanted to ask you um and I'm going to go way back to your process <laughs> for a second. So when you are creating some of these different things for like the several sides of yourself, like, uh-huh. you know, the, the personal practice, like the client work where you're doing prototypes, like, like some of the other work that you do, like how much do you get to play? Like, <laughs> do you get to experiment? Or it's you all like, experiment. Really? It's, it's not like. There's not a manual on how to make skulls for <laughs> other so, things. Like, so I just kind of stare at things and draw things. And then it's all experimentation. Nothing is, everything is chance. It's so like, like if something doesn't work, do you freak out? And you're like, ah, my deadlines. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, it depends who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of get a little crazy. Like or if do something do... doesn't work, if uh, yeah. sometimes I just have a meltdown and then it all gets better because I had that like expenditure of negative energy and then you know smash Lana smash and then now art so. I, I like that. <laughs> and then do you like because I was thinking about it I'm like some of these materials and presses have to be pretty expensive um yeah it's expensive of time expensive materials oh mostly was, time yeah and I was thinking like you get halfway through this and you're like this piece is not gonna work and mm-hmm. then you smash it yes smash and it. then <laughs> you are like now I either have to start over or you know how like and I don't know how often you paint um at this point well I do and I have I do just did a live painting thing oh. um so so, I, like, you know when you're painting and you get, like, three-fourths of the way through what you thought was going to be a good yeah, painting? It and looked you're like, awesome in your mind. Yeah, and you're like, this is not going this in this uh-huh. direction. Like, you ever get to that point where you're like, I have spent so much time. I'm going to power through and just make this, even though I'm going to stare at it every day and be like, that is not the thing I was wishing to make. Well, or do you just, like, <laughs> do you well. just, like, move on? Or, yeah. Um, the older I get, the less time I'm willing to spend lamenting something. That's nice. So I just, if it gets to a point where I hate it so much, it makes my life very difficult to exist in my (laughs) studio with it. I'll just put it in a drawer and start it over or start something new. So you don't just try and force it into a... No, I can't anymore. I learned early that when you force it, it just gets shittier and shittier and then <laughs> it makes you want to cry and give up on art you just and then maybe one day then maybe you'll do one brilliant brush stroke and it'll be magic and it'll all be awesome and you'll be like oh I don't know what I was worried about this is awesome I'm a great artist but that <laughs> hardly ever happens so just put it in a drawer and don't look at it for a while and then start something else it's the I have to like portion out my time so much now that I'm just like I have no time to waste on this thing that's not working so you know like if it's going down that path you're like as nope, soon as my you put gut it in the weird drawer as soon as my gut just goes I hate my life become a barista <laughs> then I'm like okay this one goes in the drawer the sadness timeout drawer and then sometimes it comes back out sometimes it just gets a gesso or when it's fabric related it just gets pulled apart and oh okay yeah. So the purga- the drawer purgatory There's isn't purgatory. always like yeah. they don't stay in there forever. It's not overflowing with like no. Sometimes I'll re- like my process used to be hate 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 everything I work on until it leaves the house, and then when it, I see it later, I'll be like, whoa, that's that is kind of cool. How do I do that? 
Like, I don't remember how I made that. But now I just have to be like, it's not going well. You're not happy. Put it in the drawer. <laughs> Move on. That's like, kind of nice, though. I think that's it's good to hear other people do that. I feel like that's kind of one of those things where you see the finished product always of everybody's mm-hmm. work, and you're just like, looks so easy for somebody. Well, that's the problem with Instagram, isn't it? You yeah. never see the pictures of them crying in the tub eating Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, for every good piece, there's been five tub times that I've had here. You don't like, see, you just see all the shiny, beautiful, retouched uh, filter photos, <laughs> not the sadness tub crying <laughs> tub of ice cream. There's a different Instagram for that, I'm sure, somewhere. I'm, yeah, well, there should be. <laughs> insta sad (laughs) so sad but that's it's good to know because i was thinking about i was like man with like having to deal with the different types of deadlines different types of clients including yourself you know like all these different kinds of things probably puts a lot of pressure to keep making you know yeah that's one thing we talk to people a lot about is just how to how to keep yourself doing and experimenting. But it sounds like you've got no problem with being like, I want to try some of this. I want to do some of this. And so that leads me to one of my last questions for you here. If, if you could look into the future and you can think about what, what's coming, do you have any storm? (laughs) A storm is coming. (laughs) Do you have any idea of like, where you want to head or any clues to things that have been popping up in your like themes that have been popping up or materials that have been popping up that might lead you down a path that's even a little different than where you are or do you are you just happy where you are just making the things that you're making well it's gonna evolve no matter what I can't do anything about that but um when I was New York Comic Con I had a panel um with the um designer toy awards um, which I won one. What? <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, but one of the question was, where do you see your work going and what do you want to do in the future? And it was funny because up until that point, it wasn't something I was like, oh, I guess I should answer this because there's a room of people staring at me. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, it would be really cool to make skeletons out of fabric, like actual realistic skeletons. And then I thought about it like the whole rest of the trip and then I went home and I started making them um and so that it's just kind of organic like that so my show in Albuquerque I'm doing grander pieces like I'm starting to uh do more uh human skull patterning and I want to do more blending in illustrate more illustrative um things so I'm making these skeletons, bird skeletons, pulling a casket with a plush bird in it and stuff like that. So I'm going to call it the pallbearers. So it's something more, you know, have deeper meaning than just like making specimens. So, I don't know, but I'm still going to keep working on the small edition music because I really like making just like a bird skull and then making it again, and then making it again. Yeah. Um, I'm making all these wool teeth now to, like, kind of be a mini fundraiser for my jaw surgery for when I can't work, so I'm calling it a tooth for a tooth. So if you buy a tooth, you're basically helping me pay for my teeth. That's awesome. (laughs) Is there a place that we can link to that to make sure that people can check that out, too? Is it just on your site? Yeah, lanacrooks.com. My shop is on there, and I blog about it and I'll post stuff as it comes along but uh the gut show is my first basically release of it um the logo and the first four molars so um no it's just gonna keep going who knows what'll happen I'll make a giant whale that fits in a gallery and that'll be it (laughs) (laughs) then you're done (laughs) and then I'm done um you know because I've had to adjust things as it is I was making all these uh, addition pieces and I was getting tendonitis so that has a lot to do with how I work now too because I can't keep hand sewing or I have to take days off now because I'm aging rapidly before your eyes <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, the stress aren't we all oh, I so know. all these gray hairs that I've got now I don't even know where they came from so <laughs> but I think that's kind of nice I was saying I think I had to do a, a one-liner for a Twitter thing as I was talking about the last podcast but I was saying like 
like last week we talked about being Iron Chef where somebody introduces like <laughs> some weird random element into your process and all of a sudden you're making things you didn't know you were making. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, one tool is different. One like show is different. One topic is different. And all of a sudden you're like, what? That could be really awesome if I did more of that, you know? <laughs> and so I think it's kind of interesting to see you talk about how things have progressed and how it's sort of spawned out into these different areas of of your working process and how you've kind of partitioned it for client work and you know everything else but so if people were to follow the the projects that you're working on now where can they find you it's lanacrooks.com anywhere you put lana crooks you'll probably find me (laughs) or somebody that looks like me doing something very similar (laughs) um i after the gut show i will be doing some pieces for everyday original um, dot com, and those are miniature affordable works by fantasy, um, mostly fantasy illustrators and of the ilk, more fine art um, things. So there's that, and then I'll be at Designer Con in November. It's the toy art or toy community kind of convention. Um, other than that, just follow the website because who knows where I'll pop up. <laughs> that I'll sounds just behind a bush and jump out at you <laughs> at <Surprise>! any moment. <laughs> and then my Instagram is Lana Crooks, and I post a lot of things on there. What I'm working on, works in progress, um, my process, all the craziness. My cat. <laughs> I like those posts too. I love in a cat every now and again. Yeah, everyone loves cat. <laughs> <laughs> everyone loves cat. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, cool. It has been really amazing to talk with you about like the behind the scenes stuff of your um your show that you've got up here at Lake Gray, everything behind that, like where you find your inspiration. I mean, it really has been a lot of fun. So Thank you so much for all your time. Well, thanks for letting me in. (laughs) And then, you know, providing me with places to get donuts and coffee. We do have some good donuts here. And that's all I really need. That's awesome. Well, cool. And you guys will post all the links um, for Lana's work at the bottom of the blog post so that you guys can follow all those things. Um, We have a couple other things coming up here at Light Gray. If you haven't seen the show, you should stop by. Again, it's open until when? Till May 15th. That's awesome. And so you can come see it in person if you can. Otherwise, there's documentation online as well. And so what else is coming up here? So this upcoming Saturday, uh, Cleo Malone, who's a local uh, artist, she she does print paper book and she is also a sewer, a crocheter, a knitter. Many of of the textiles. Of all things. Um, Textile sister. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's going to be teaching a workshop here at Liker at Lab from 1 to 3.30 p.m. And she'll be teaching people how to make crochet underwater coral formation. So if you want to sign up for that class, you can find it on our shop, which is shop.likeratlab.com. And this is your last chance to sign up. So take a look this week and see if that's something you'd like to learn how to do. Last chance before I kidnap her and make her work in my studio. (laughs) (laughs) So if she disappears, we will know where she went. Yeah. Whoopsie. (laughs) This isn't live, is it? (laughs) (laughs) And then any other places people can find us? Oh, wait, don't we have another thing coming up? We have many things coming up. Oh. But this upcoming week, we also have game night. Yeah, and that's May 23rd. Nope, April 23rd. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) That's the month. (laughs) I was thinking all about all the amazing things coming up in May as well. But April 23rd, we have game night. It is cream. Cash rules everything around me. Chris is the only person that remembers that. Nope. Okay. Nope, I am not. (laughs) I was like, no, you are. (laughs) Don't look at me. I'm not helping. (laughs) Well, some people, the people who know it is instantly follow up usually with Dollar dollar bill. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yeah. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. Dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> I was like, what is this crazy topic that we're having for game night? And- uh, yep, so it's going to be all money, 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 money. So we're going to be getting money, stealing money, taking money, buying things, expanding empires with money. So hey, it's all about... <laughs> That sounds great. Yeah. My last name's so, Crooks. Can I come? Uh, yeah. yeah. There's perfect s- games for you. Yeah. going to steal yep. all the money. So this but- is April 23rd from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. And we have so. one other thing, maybe a couple other things, yeah, but one for do. sure that I yes. want to talk about. So I want to say mark your calendars for May 22nd. Uh, we have a super amazing exhibition coming up from all the artwork 
that people made from and inspired by Iceland this past year. And we also have a lecture uh, by Sam Bosma that's going to be opening of the reception. So May 22nd, starting at 7 p.m., he'll be here in the space to talk about his practice, all his artwork, and then it'll be followed by a reception and meet and greet. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. And if you have noticed... Um, this past Friday, we launched another workshop with local artist Tegan White. Um, she's going to be following up with our newest two and a half day awesome experience where we're taking everybody to the banks of Lake Maria State Park, where we'll be exploring <laughs> with Tegan, uh, looking for inspiration and talking about building our brands. And so as you guys might have scene, because um, we featured Tegan in a lot of our, our shows recently, she has two very different practices, kind of her naturalistic practice as well as her children's art practice. And so those of you guys that have been wanting to expand into new realms or to kind of reinvent yourself in another way to, to coordinate with what you're already doing, we're going to be talking about that kind of experience. So join us. Um, that will be July 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So that's coming up. We have 18 spots available. Um, all of the information is online on shop.lightgrayartlab.com. And where else can people find us? Well, you can find all the updates about news and everything on blog.lightgrayartlab.com. You can find us on Twitter. We're at lightgrayartlab, and we respond to each and everything with love and passion. <laughs> uh, we are on <laughs> Facebook. Just give us a like there, and you can stay up to date with all of our events. Um, we are on Tumblr, like greatartgallery.tumblr.com, and we post a lot of the things from the show. We also retumble artists who are involved, so you can see some of the process and behind-the-scenes things. You can subscribe to this show on the iTunes Music Store, stream it directly on Stitcher Radio, and that's it. Good job. <laughs> and you well, want this one. Yeah. It's so good, I hear. <laughs> yes, it'll be so good. Word on the street. Yeah, yeah some guy told me. Yeah, mostly it was Chris that told you, probably, all the things. Nobody knows. Okay, uh, he, He's just been making hand gestures of murder the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, cut that out. So, thanks again, you listeners. <laughs> you guys, you, you listeners. listeners. Thanks you again, listeners. you listeners, <laughs> for listening uh, to our awesome conversation with Lana Crooks. And we'll talk with you soon. Oh, and then one last thing. If you do take a sip of coffee. <laughs> but that's the white noise. <laughs> so awkward. And gross. I love it. It'll be just all like outtakes of Chris slurping. If you start screaming because your rage comes out. Yeah, it will. Then okay. right from deep inside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then it will be editable rage. Most likely. Uneditable (laughs) podcast. Excellent. Unedited rage cast. Everybody has notebooks. I feel. A rage (laughs) cast. (laughs) We'll talk with you soon. You listeners. Kisses.